Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Fantastic. So, yeah, man, the Lord is doing amazing things. And, you know, after that power encounter from a few weeks ago, slowly we're getting some of our equipment replaced and it's upgraded. Yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. So on the back wall, for example, there is a projector that's even brighter and sharper and better. It just doesn't have a clock. (laughs) if you're visiting kind of like what's the big deal of a clock you see it's an answer to prayer you see because that clock gets in the way of preaching yeah and um, so it's either we pray that prayer you know Lord let the sun stand still you know or let the clock disappear Um, anyway so we're just having a little fun here so Slowly but surely, things are, are being, being replaced, and, and it just you know, works actually that we're able to get a couple of upgrades along the way. So thank you, Lord, you know, that you turn bad things into better situations, yeah? which is kind of like how I'm looking at, at my second water feature. It's kind of like, okay, Lord, we get a new ceiling. Okay, look, all of us are facing challenges. All of us face difficult situations. And in every situation in life is like a test. How am I going to respond? You know? And, and this is kind of like, oh man, I wasn't expecting this. This is not fair. You know, how can this happen to me? I've been doing all the things that I'm supposed to do. You know, I even put God first and I tithed on the first. You know, all that. And we can easily get into a position where we start doubting the goodness of God. Even though we were singing about it and it's great in the moment because it's a really great song. But when the music fades and we're at home and the roof springs a leak, how am I going to respond? Come on, we all face these things. Okay? And... And so, firstly, let's acknowledge that we do face them. That there's nothing uniquely wrong with you that you're under God's judgment. Because the enemy, you know, he roams around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. And you watch those nature programs. What do the lions do? They try and isolate one from the flock. And then it becomes vulnerable and then they go for it. Okay? So the enemy tries to make us think we're isolated. Like we're not in where God wants us to be. We've done something wrong. And so all this doubt begins to come into our hearts and our minds. And we think God is actually not with us. And then we, if we dwell on those things, right, we meditate on those negative things, we actually start doing the enemy's work in our lives. And it undermines faith, hope, and confidence in the Lord. And we're actually partnering with his agenda, 
Even when we're going through struggles and difficulties, the little dips and valleys, it's kind of like, okay, we all go through these things, but God has not abandoned me. Okay? He has an opportunity for me to strengthen myself in the Lord. Come on, there was this guy called David. I'll get to preaching in a minute if you're worried. There's a guy called David, and, um, you know, he was unrighteously persecuted. King Saul had it in for him and he had to hide away. So much so that he actually found refuge amongst the Philistines. And now Israel went to war against the Philistines. Like, now you're really caught in a bad place. Hmm? It's like my nephew last night in Paris watching the Springboks, speaking French to his friends, but he was caught like, who does he support? Come on, think about all the people who've left South Africa when the Springboks go and play in those nations. Are you guys alive? Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, all right. So he's not sure who he's supposed to support. Yeah. Anyway, so he goes and he says to the, the, the Philistine king, listen, we're here and you've given us safe passage. If you want, we'll fight with you and for you. And the Lord intervenes and puts it in the heart of the Philistines, kind of like, Listen, thanks, but no thanks. Just in case, at half time, you change your mind and you rejoin the other team. So tell you what, we'll all excuse you from the battle. It's kind of like, this is a good deal. It's a win-win. Okay? But then when they get back to the home, it's a place called Ziklag. Some other raiding nation had come in and stolen all their stuff and kidnapped all the wives and children. And now it is like bleak. Lost everything. And then David's mighty men, his little band, his army, they are so upset because they've lost their families, they've lost everything, they're talking about rising up against David and killing David. This is a pretty bad situation. So what does David do? He turns his heart to the Lord and he strengthens himself in the Lord. Everything was against him. Even the enemy didn't want him to fight for them. So they say, all right, 
Inquire of the Lord. The Lord says, I'm with you, go for it. Gets the, the guys, he says, listen, God's going to do something amazing. And so they go after the nation that had taken off their families and all their goods. And God gives them, as a smaller army, a smaller band, the ability to overcome these other plundering nations. They get back the wives, the kids, all their own goods, and the plunder that these guys had taken off other people. They now suddenly get what was a very difficult situation. God turned it around and they ended up with more than what they had. That's awesome. But just remember, he was in a deep, deep hole. Everything looking forlorn. Everybody turning against him. And David himself was also pretty down until he came to the, the decision, to the point, I'm actually going to turn to the living God. And he strengthened himself in the Lord. Against all the odds, against all hope, as he turned his heart to the Lord, God then turned the situation around. And when you're in a difficult situation, come on, we all go through them. It's not necessarily because you are of weak faith or you have no faith or that God is punishing you. There are things in this world, we're living in a fallen world and bad things happen to good people. We get caught in the crossfire. Don't side with the enemy and do his work for him in your life and become filled with doubt, negativity, and turn your heart away from the Lord. Take the opportunity to face the tests of life, to pass the test. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. See what he will do. Amen? Here endeth the first lesson. You had to have gone to an Anglican church to have understood what that. What do you mean first lesson? Okay. All right. So we've been in a, a series just looking at how we can step into New Testament prophetic ministry. And we've been looking and seeing that there's a difference between the way things were done in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. And there's a particular model of people walking in the prophetic that we can see in the scriptures in the Old Testament. But the Lord is calling us to be partakers of the New Covenant and therefore as New Testament believers to live in this relationship with the Lord in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as part of this, he gives the Spirit and he gives gifts. One of the gifts is prophetic ministry, tongues, interpretation, and these power gifts. And we need to be living and walking in this with a New Testament mindset. It seems that a number of people 
want to walk in the New Testament gifts, but with an old covenant mindset. And it's a bit like trying to put new wine into an old wineskin. It just doesn't work. The skin's going to burst. The wine will spill. It'll be ruined. The skin itself is also damaged. It just, it's just a not, not a, a good situation. So I want to encourage us that we step into a mindset and a practice of New Testament, New Covenant prophetic ministry. That's basically what we're on about. And for the last little while, we've been looking and seeing, especially in the book of Corinthians, chapter, the, the first book, chapter 11, 12, 13, and 14. We was camping there. Yeah? In fact, we might as well make a house. We've been camping so long. And, and we've been seeing that, that there's something of God's heart that is revealed through prophetic ministry. And, and we see that because of the cross, the anger, the wrath of God, the judgment against sin was placed on Jesus. And if we are in Jesus, he is not pouring out wrath and condemnation on us any longer. Because we're in Christ. He took it all. This is good news. Smile, laugh, cheer, whistle, clap. Do a little dance. This is magnificent news. This is the good news. Yeah? And so he is not angry with us anymore. He says, yeah, come, children. You're welcome. You've been adopted into the family. Once we were alienated from God, we were enemies of the cross. We were enemies of God. But no longer. We who were once far off have been brought near now we are the people of God, the family of God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We belong to him. And he loves his kids. And he says, come anytime you like. Come into the very throne room in your time of need. And I'm going to bless you and give you whatever you need at any time, any stage. In fact, I'm going to make the access so easily that we're going to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. Free access all the time. This is astounding stuff. Yeah? He's not angry with us anymore. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. This is so helpful because when somebody sends you that WhatsApp prophetic message, the one that's been forwarded many, many, many times. And there's a guy who wasn't listening to the series. And he thinks that God is still angry with us. And he's calling down fire and brimstone on God's people. We kind of like, oh, we know where you're coming from. You're coming from the other side of the cross. You're coming from an old covenant, God is angry with us mindset. And we also recognize that it's possible that this person is speaking out of their own hurt. 
Because hmm? it goes something like this. When you come with a mentality that you're going to beat the sheep, it's possible that you're going to bump into a good shepherd. And a good shepherd loves the sheep. A good shepherd is not a hireling. A hireling runs away when there's trouble. But a good shepherd stands in the way between trouble and the sheep. And so there are troublemakers who want to beat the sheep and they bump into a shepherd who says, not here, not on my watch. And the problem is that many of these guys or girls who've got a big stick in their hands, wanting to wield it against the flock, they're borrowing an old covenant mindset, which is, we are the rejected ones. You see, the prophets were persecuted, the prophets were misunderstood, the prophets were rejected. That's why I'm rejected. And they are coming from an old covenant heart and mindset, not recognizing that in the new covenant, we're part of the family. And we've been accepted. And whatever gifting we may be, whether we're the ear or the nose or the eye or the foot or the hand, we're part of the body. We are not these rejected ones, outcast, alone, a voice crying in the wilderness. We are not in the wilderness anymore. We've been adopted into the family. If you want to be a voice crying in the wilderness, you have to do that under Old Testament dispensations. But New Testament prophetic ministry doesn't do that. We are from within, from the family. We're connected. We love each other. That's why we build each other up. We don't tear each other down. So the prophetic words are to build up, strengthen, and encourage. Not to come with a big stick and to beat the sheep. Ne? So when you get one of these who comes with an, an intention to bring judgment, condemnation, basically a wave of depression on the body of Christ. And then when they bump into a shepherd and the shepherd says no, often because of brokenness on the inside and a persecuted complex and possibly an alignment with the spirit of rejection. You see, there it happened again. I got rejected. No, no, no. You just bumped into a good shepherd who was protecting the sheep. You weren't rejected. But because of brokenness and a spirit of rejection, it's interpreted as rejection. Yeah, you see? They don't accept my word. I'm a true prophet. They don't even know what they're doing. 
And they get into this very dangerous space and place. So when somebody in your connect group puts on your WhatsApp chat group one of these viral judgment type prophetic words, you have a number of responses. The one is, oh, I can see you weren't paying attention in class. You didn't get the fact that this actually isn't what we're supposed to be forwarding. You also get the opportunity to weigh, judge, and test. Meaning that your ability to grow in the things of the Spirit is now getting an upgrade. Because you're putting into practice this ability to discern. Is this from the Spirit or not? Is this for us or not? Yeah? Because, listen, there may be some words that need to be given to people who are not yet walking with the Lord. And it's a word of warning. Turn. All right? Because there is a judge and there will be a judgment. But if we are in Jesus, that's not for us. So you need to discern, hey, is this for us? Does the cap fit? No, this cap doesn't fit. Why? Because I have the mind of Christ and this head is a different size now. I'm mixing my metaphors just to try and get your, think it through a little bit, right? So, hey, not everything that comes your way is for you. Yeah? So we don't get all upset with whoever put it on the WhatsApp group. Easy, man. You just reach for the handle and flush. Yeah. Where every stinky thing must go. Gone. Yeah. Don't have to get upset about it. Don't have to go on a crusade about it. Just like, no, that's not for me. Gone. Move on. Yeah? Okay. So as we're going through this, you know, getting a feel for what New Testament prophetic ministry is meant to be about, it's a bit like when they would train bank tellers how to distinguish counterfeit banknotes. And what they would do is they would give to the bank tellers the genuine stuff. And they would teach them about the genuine stuff. You're looking for this watermark. You're looking for this you know, feature and, and the different security things that are, are in, uh, in the banknote. As well as the kind of ink and the kind of paper that's been used for the banknotes. And they would work with the real stuff for months. And then after many months, they would then insert one counterfeit note to see if in the feeling and the counting of the money, 
that the teller could kind of like, hang on, this just doesn't feel right. Take it out, examine. Oh, there's this thing. It just didn't feel right. The reason they were able to know that it didn't feel right is because they knew how to feel for what was right. So we're working on, hey, how can we feel for what true New Testament prophetic ministry, what does it feel like? So that when something comes along our path, it just doesn't feel right. Kind of like you hold it up, you smell it. It's like, there's something about this ink that just doesn't smell right. There's just something about the feel of this thing. It just doesn't feel good. That's the Holy Spirit helping you to know and to discern. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we saw that Paul writing to the Corinthians, he said, this is something that you should eagerly desire. In other words, there's a heart posture. We're positively, intentionally, actively going after this. This is not... Ah, you know, maybe, maybe not. No, this is, we are going all in, all out for this. That's the one thing. The other thing we noticed last week was that all you all are in. All you all. Almol. Zonke. Dijelolotsky. Everybody. I wish that you would all prophesy. I wish that you would all speak in tongues. I wish that everyone. So this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth, which is a massive church, and he's saying to everybody, we're all in. This is for us. This is not the old wineskin, only a few select special individuals with a special anointing of God. Man of God. Elevated, separated. No, 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 no. Under the new, everybody is included. Everyone is invited. We're all walking together in the power of the Spirit. That's where we were last week. I want to take that and just go a little bit further with that same understanding of all. Are you all okay with that? Okay. So, we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5, you got that one from last week? I would like every one of you to speak in tongues even more to prophesy. And we noted, and we'll come back to this at another time, the Greek word, glossais, G-L-O-S-S-A-I-S, meaning tongues, a language. Not known, not studied, not learnt, but received as a gift. And so there's tongues. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 14, he's moving between tongues as a prayer language, tongues and interpretation, which is a prophetic thing, and then prophecy. And he's He's herding these things together through chapters 12, 13, 14. And it's hard for us to figure out this Greek word, 
which doesn't distinguish between tongues and tongues that require interpretation. It's the same Greek word. The only way we can figure this out is the direction. If the direction is towards the throne, it's a prayer language. It doesn't need interpretation. But if it's from the throne, we're receiving it, prophetic unction, it needs to come to people. Well, we won't understand it because that language we don't know. So we need the interpretation because it's from the throne to us. Okay, and the only way we can figure out which is he talking about is the direction. Okay, all right. Now, Jesus and his words are really important. My Bible in red. Take note. Okay, so he's talking to the disciples. And at this point, it's probably the 500. Okay, we know this from Corinthians that when Jesus ascended, there were 500 who were there present, witnesses to the fact. Long before Star Trek came out, Jesus just... And they kind of, and there were 500 of them, like, never saw the movie, didn't know what was going on, like, absolutely freaked out. Two angels stand there, guys, what are, you, what are you doing looking in the sky? This same Jesus, the way he's gone, he's coming back. All right, so get on with the job, guys. He gave you a job to do. Okay. Just before Jesus does that, he's giving instructions to his followers. It's more than the 12. More than the 12. And so he says in Mark chapter 16 and verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. Have we got any believers in the room? Got a few believers, okay. These signs will accompany, like they're keeping you company. They hang around with you. These signs hang around with you guys, because you're believers. Okay, this is a package deal. All right, you signed up, you became a believer, you get these as, as part of the deal. All right? In my name, they will drive out demons. Amen. Sounds like God is winning and the devil is losing to me. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. This is Jesus saying, we, as believers, will speak in new tongues. Awesome. He's not just saying this to the 12, minus one, because they lost one, you know. Mm. He's not just saying this to the 120. He's saying this to the 500. And so they go back and they start praying because at the end of Luke's gospel, okay, he says, wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. You will receive the gift from my Father, the promise, the Holy Spirit. Luke, the same guy, he writes this book we call Acts. Same author. And he writes and he says, listen, in my former book, Theophilus, okay, and then he starts to tell what's going on about everything that Jesus began to do and so on. And then he says, he recaps Wait in Jerusalem, 
you will receive power and then you'll be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Okay, so there's continuity, is carrying on like this. And so the guys are hanging out there, 500 of them, over a period of 10 days, it gets whittled down to just 120. 120, they're there on the day of Pentecost. And they are about to experience something absolutely amazing. Now, in order to tell you that, I need to tell you this. Won't you switch on your Bible to Numbers chapter 11 and verse 29? Okay? Numbers 11 and verse 29. Let me tell you what's going on here. A little bit of background. So, Moses has taken the people, they've come out of Egypt through the Red Sea. They're wandering around in the wilderness. These guys are having manna for breakfast, tea, lunch, afternoon snacks, hors d'oeuvres, mains, midnight snack. It's just manna. And the guys get a little bit grumpy and they say, we need meat. And the whole bunch of them are wailing. And this groaning and wailing goes up. It's like, oh, it would have been better for us to have stayed in Egypt. I mean, it's ridiculous. They were slaves in Egypt. They were being beaten and whipped. Yeah, they lost their minds temporarily. But they're moaning and they're groaning. And Moses, who feels... The pain of the people is kind of like, God, this is not fair. Like, I've got to deal with all of this stuff, and he's burdened with this thing. And God says, listen, I'll deal with them later, and I will give them so much meat, they're going to be nauseated. Literally, it's going to be almost like it's coming out of their nostrils, there's so much meat. And Moses is kind of like, like even if we slaughtered all the herds and flocks, there's not enough meat for everybody. God says, do you think my arm is too short to save? I can do anything. I'm God. Okay, so don't worry about that, Mo. I've got that thing sorted out. So the meat thing, leave it to me. But this thing of carrying the burden, we've got a new solution. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to get 70 of the elders and the leaders. And then you're going to take them outside the camp to the tent of meeting. This is not the tabernacle. This is predates that. This is the tent of meeting. And I will take of the spirit that I've put on you. And I will put on the 70. So that they can also move in the same anointing and, and leadership that's on you. Share the load. Moses says, good deal. So he gets the guys, they go out there, and true to God's word, he pours the spirit out on the 70. But there were two guys didn't get the memo. Eldad and Medad. Those are strange names, eh? Not my dad, Medad. 
Eldad and Medad. And they're back in the camp and they start prophesying. And then somehow, just like the internet was down, so he runs out the camp and he says, this is, this is not, not fair, you must stop this. So, so Joshua says to, to Moses, surely we need to put an end to this. This is not right. They're not part of the 70. Yes, they were elders, but they weren't selected as part of the 70. Now we get to this verse in Numbers 11 and verse 29. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Wow. Oh my goodness. What's going on here? In this crisis moment, in this like God intervention thing, the spirit being poured out, Moses is reaching into something that was only going to occur centuries later. And he says, oh, I wish that all God's people would prophesy and that God would put his spirit on everyone. Wow. Centuries later. The book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2. The guys that had heard stick around in Jerusalem, the spirits come in. They didn't really know what to expect, just something's going to happen because God said we must wait. God, Jesus, said we must wait. So, Tongues of fire, different from tongues. Yeah? So these, baby, you're on fire. And they're kind of like, what is going on? And there's like the sound of a violent wind, places just like crazy. They have a God encounter that is so explosive that they leave the upper room. Okay, and they, they go out and they spill out onto the streets. And it just so happens that God orchestrates this, and Jerusalem is jam packed with tourists, spiritual tourists. They're there for the feast of Pentecost, they were celebrating the giving of the law. So this is this ancient festival that they observed. And so we know from chapter 2 that there are people from the 13 different regions of the known world that gathered there. And, and they come because of the Feast of Pentecost. And so the original Pentecost that they were celebrating was the giving of the law, external. But now the internal government of God is coming, the giving of the Spirit. So Pentecost has now got a significant upgrade. Instead of it being an external law, it's now an internal being led in a way that pleases God. This is astounding. So all these people are gathered, and there are thousands of people all over Jerusalem. 
And they hear that there's a massive commotion and they all spill out onto the street to go and see what's happening. And some people are looking at what's going on and the disciples, the 120 of them, they're, they're acting in the most unusual way. And one of the things is that they are speaking in these languages that the people from the 13 different regions have, have learned. And they're kind of like, how is it possible that these guys are speaking like telling of the wonders of God in our language and we come from far away and these guys, we know they're Galileans because of their accent. So the... Something went pop, pop, pop. Something went pop, pop, pop. Something went pop, pop, pop. I think it's everything went down. Pop, pop, pop. Something in the back. It's not batteries. Something went pop. I'm just going to keep talking. Sorry, the guys at home, just lip read. <laughs> so... Um, So they're hearing these guys speaking with a Galilean accent. And, and the rest, I mean, Jerusalem literally and figuratively looked down on people from Galilee. Jerusalem was higher elevation. That was like the university town. Everything was up there. The religious people, the righteous people, all the rest of it. That was headquarters was Jerusalem. Galilee was like uneducated fishermen. And they would speak with an uneducated accent. And they could, they could hear from the accent as they were speaking in these other languages, it still came through with the Galilean accent. They're kind of like, how is this possible? These are not learned people. There's no ways they could know this language that we're speaking. Some of the guys made fun of them and said, no, nah, they're just drunk. It's like, how, how do you get to that conclusion, yeah? Well, there were some other things going on, but we'll save that for another day. How can you tell if someone's drunk? Now, they look a little like they're under an influence of something. And so we want to be under the influence of the Spirit. Be led and influenced by the Spirit. But there were certain things that happened to their physical bodies that the guys could see Something is different. Yeah? Some people will mock. Some people will be bewildered and astonished. Some people will attribute to the devil the work of the Spirit. They did it then, they'll do it now. Okay? Here comes the hit squad. All right, so some of those languages were earthly languages, but they weren't learned, they were foreign to the guy speaking it. So it was a supernatural gift, but of an earthly language, okay? And we know from 1 Corinthians 13, it says, you know, whether I, whether I pray or I have the language of men 
or of angels. So tongues at times, and this is where it confuses people, at times the tongue could be an earthly language, but at other times it's a supernatural, spiritual, we call it a heavenly language. It's the language that the angels use. Either way, it's foreign to us. So don't get hung up about, well, it must be an earthly language. Or, no, no, it's an earthly language, therefore it can't be tongues. It can only be tongues if it comes from heaven. No, the scripture's clear. The tongue of men or of angels, but it's a tongue that you didn't learn. It's a gift you received. So we're okay with this, right? Marvelous. So, in all of this stuff, as the Spirit is being poured out, and guys are watching it and they're trying to make sense of it, Peter, full of the Spirit, stands up and he turns to Acts chapter 2. And he turns to Acts chapter 2. <laughs> I'm joking, man. But would you turn to Acts chapter 2? All right. And so he speaks there by the Spirit. Hey. Got some volume coming from somewhere. Everywhere. A voice came from above. Some said it thundered. Okay. So the Spirit falls on them. They're speaking in tongues. They're telling of the wonders of God. Not everybody understands what's going on. Peter then tries to explain. Well, he doesn't try. He actually does explain. And in verse 17 and 18, he helps everybody see what's going on. He says, this is that. What, what do you mean that? He said, this is that which was prophesied by Joel. So Joel was an Old Testament prophet and he prophesies. And so it's, we find it here in verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on some people. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Oh my goodness. What was Moses' prayer? What was his dream, his wish, his desire, his prayer? Oh, that all God's people would prophesy and that the spirit would be on all of them. And Joel prophesies that and he says a day will come in fact we're going to call that the last days oh my goodness when did the last days begin that would be 2000 years ago Whew. oh I thought the last days were still to come According to the Bible, the last days began 2,000 years ago. This is extraordinary. Gosh, that's a few books on my bookshelf I better throw away. I've already thrown them away. I was just... In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. They will prophesy. I will pour out my spirit on all people, sons and daughters. Sons and daughters? We're in the family. He's our father. Jesus, our older brother. We've been included and adopted in the family. We are sons and daughters. We are in. Like royal blood flowing through us. Jesus, the king, his blood. Okay. They will prophesy. Not only that, he goes on a little bit later. He's got long sermons that are just like me. It says there with many other words, he encouraged them. So many words is an okay thing when you're preaching. Turn to verse 38. Okay, the guys are hearing this the sermon, this message, and they're saying, what must we do? How must we respond? What shall we do to be saved? And Peter replied, repent. Let's just stop there. Repent. What does that mean? It means to change the way you think. That's the root meaning in the Greek. Turn around. You used to think one way. Turn around and think another way. You used to think about Jesus one way. Now, change the way you think. He is the Messiah. Change the way you believe. Change the way you think. And therefore, you will change the way you live and walk as a result of changing the way you think and believe. So turn, repent. Yeah? Repent and be baptized. Here he's talking about baptism in water. And we're going to give everyone who hasn't been baptized and who does believe in Jesus an opportunity to get water baptized on the 4th of December. Yes. Repent and be baptized. Specifically referring to water baptism. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So there's a particular kind of baptism here. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. What's he saying here? He's saying, hey guys, the Holy Spirit has been poured out, sons and daughters gonna prophesy, this is for everybody. Men, women, young, old. Holy Spirit, pour out my spirit. Now, get your life on track and keep it on track with him. And this gift, not a reward, not earned, You haven't even lived one day for Jesus and you're going to get a gift. 
You haven't even done one miracle and you're going to get a gift. This is not, you have been a spiritually mature person, therefore you get this gift. No, that would be earning, that would be reward. Not freely receive a gift. Today, repent, be baptized, receive the gift of the Spirit. This is amazing, what a deal. Yeah? Okay? And this, that we have got, that we got in the upper room, everybody gets. And you get a gift, and you get a gift, and you get a gift, and everybody gets the gift of the Spirit. You see, under the Old Testament, the old understanding of Pentecost with law, works, work hard, earn. And there are only a very few people who are called, anointed, receive the Spirit. It's completely different with the new Pentecost. Now, everybody gets, and it's not earned. It's a gift, it's received. The contrast is massive. Absolutely massive. Yeah? And it's for you, it's all you all. Everybody gathered here. And we know that, hey, at least 3,000 were baptized. Man, that's a lot of water. I mean, think about it. I don't know if your brain does this. But you know, like, when you get into, uh, if you get into the bath with your clothes on, you probably don't do this, but a bit of a scientific experiment. Okay, so how much water, like mark the level of the bath, okay, pour water in the bath, mark the level. Dry clothes, get in, get wet, then get back out again. Or you could just try this just with your, your washing of your laundry. How much water, pre, then you put in dry clothes, and you take it out, there's water in the clothes, what's going to happen to the level of the water? It's going to drop. Imagine how much water was dripping on the robes of 3,000 people. This is, I don't know, it's got absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it's just interesting. Okay. So 3,000 people, that's a lot of water, and they get, they get baptized. And they get, this promise is for you and your children and your children's children. And for all... All who are far off generationally, even to everyone who calls on the Lord. Those whom the Lord will call and people will respond to the call. Everyone through the generations, your children, your children's children, your children's children's children. Your children's, 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 children. Children's, children's, children's through the centuries. Now, we receive 
We are those generations that were far away. 2,000 years ago, like it's hard to imagine how many generations, and you know what? It still continues so that our children, when they're in kids' ministry, they're receiving the Spirit. We're not saying, listen, wait until you're a grown-up. This is even on your children. And you know what? Their children will receive. And if Jesus doesn't come back, their children's children. And their children's 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 children. If Jesus isn't back by then. Because we need the Spirit. Hmm? This is amazing. This promise wasn't just given to the 11 or just to the 120. It wasn't given just to the 500. It was given to everyone who was there from all of the known world that were gathered that day. 13 regions of the known world represented there. He said, this is for all you all. I mean, it completely does away with this thinking, oh, it was to die off at the end of the first century. Well, how can you get there from this verse? You can't. Thank the Lord for this truth. We all are included. We all are invited. We all get to participate. He's called us, and He's calling our children, and He's calling our children's children, and He's calling. Yay! Come on. All right. I'm going to land the plane. I'm going to land it this way. The Lord's been speaking to us, stirring our hearts. Creating a fresh appreciation and a fresh hunger for the things of the Spirit. And we're going to prepare ourselves in this week for a fresh encounter with the Lord next week. And we're going to say, Lord, hmm, if there's anyone here who has not yet been filled with the Spirit, fill them. Yeah? Just like we can't stop this rain from bucketing down. Lord, would you pour out in a way that comprehensively soaks, saturates. Pour out your spirit again afresh. And for those who've not received this gift of tongues. Lord, we're here. We earnestly desire. We're seeking. We're hungry. We're intentionally opening up our hearts to receive from you. Are you in? Yay. Flate, flate. May Sturius eight. Would you stand?
Can we just say thank you, Lord, for what you're doing? Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for what you're stirring in our hearts. Thank you for these passages of Scripture that bring so much insight and understanding. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're opening up things to us, things we've not seen before. We thank you, Lord, for greater clarity that's coming to your people. We thank you, Lord, for a fresh hunger that you're stirring up within us. Even as you said to those first disciples, stick around, I'm coming. Something's going to happen. Thank you, Lord, that you're stirring something in our hearts that we would stick around with a sense of expectation. Something's going to happen. So, Lord, would you cause fresh zeal, passion, eagerness, hunger to be in and on us as your people that we might receive from you? Thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are doing amazing things, that you called us to be this people living in these last days, walking in the fullness of the Spirit, experiencing your nearness, filled and clothed with power from on high, walking in your ways, that you living on the inside, leading and governing an upgraded Pentecost. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you. So as we go from this place, Lord, would you watch over to shield and guide and protect? Particularly asking, Lord, protection against car accidents in this week. We just say enough. We say enough. Enough. Put a hedge of protection around your people. Asking, Lord, that you would release resource, peace, and your presence. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. Thank you so much.